0: Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Our reading this week is from Galatians, from chapter 1, verses 13 through 17, and chapter 2, verses 11 through 21. You heard about my previous life in Judaism, how severely I harassed God's church and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my peers because I was much more militant about the traditions of my ancestors. But God had set me apart from birth and called me through His grace. He was pleased to reveal His Son to me so that I might preach about Him to the Gentiles. I didn't immediately consult with any human being I didn't go up to Jerusalem to see the men who were apostles before me either, but I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he was wrong. He had been eating with the Gentiles before certain people came from James, but when they came he began to back out and separate himself, because he was afraid of the people who promoted circumcision. And the rest of the Jews who joined also joined him in this hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas got carried away with them in their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they weren't acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to, K- to Cephas, in front of everyone, If you, though you're a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you require the Gentiles to live like Jews? We are born Jews. We are not Gentile sinners. However, we know that a person isn't made righteous by the works of the law, but rather through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. We ourselves believed in Christ Jesus so that we could be made righteous by the faithfulness of Christ and not by the works of the law. Because no one will be made righteous by the works of the law. But if if it is discovered that we ourselves are sinners while we are trying to be made righteous in Christ, that is Christ a servant of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild the very things that I once tore down, I show that I myself am am breaking the law. I died to the law through the law so that I could live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in my body, I live by faith, indeed by the faithfulness of God's Son, who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't ignore the grace of God, because if we become righteous through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Here ends the reading. Here in Japan when I talk to people about my uh, my role as a as a Christian minister the the Japanese term I often use is bokushi which means um priest uh, a Christian specifically a Christian priest and when I tell them that that's what I do or or when I even just when I talk to people about being a Christian often the first the first um, thing people think of is the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, which has a, a relatively large presence in Japan. And it has been here for, for a long time since uh, St. Xavier brought uh, Roman Catholicism to Japan um, in, I, I believe, the 15th century, although I, I don't quite remember. So... I have to explain that, you know, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a uh, Catholic, a uh, Roman Catholic. Uh, I'm a Protestant. And I have to kind of explain that. And the, for the folks who, who know the difference, because uh, some, some uh, Japanese folks I speak to know about Roman Catholics and Protestants, uh, they kind of assume that, that Protestants are, um, are all a single group. That uh, there there are two groups of Christians, Roman Catholics, and Protestants, and they don't call us Protestants; uh, they just call us Christians. It's Catholics and Christians. <laughs> and part of this reason comes from the fact that uh, before World War II, the Japanese government forced all of the Protestant denominations that were operating in Japan at the time through the, through various mission groups or whatever into a single denomination a single protestant denomination in Japan so they could have um better control of them better better uh, they were able to keep tabs on them easier that kind of thing now since the end of the war at, at, when the war ended the one of the things that was put into the the constitution that was drafted by uh by largely by the american occupation uh was religious freedom uh japanese have religious freedom just like uh americans have and other you know other folks around the world have in various countries um and so since then there's been uh you know more christian groups have come to japan and have set up various organizations and so it's no longer the case that there's only the two but still the the two are the biggest so the majority of, of japanese churches fall into one of these two groups either they're roman catholic or they're part of this what's called the united church of christ Um, but but that's not the same as the united church of christ in the u.s so this this japanese united Church of christ uh, has you know many uh, many churches that are part of it and then the roman catholics have many and then there are all these little ones separately so when i describe this to folks that they they have hard time understanding why this split occurred and why there are these multiple groups just as i'm sure most people on the street that i that i interact with probably wouldn't understand why there are so many different uh sects of buddhist uh groups you know so many different buddhist groups in japan because there are there are are many different kinds they um, you know, kind of like the Christian groups, they fall into two large categories and there are only subcategories. But a large part of of this split, of course, in our history, I usually describe it to them I talk about, um, you know, that the Roman Catholics are under the, the Pope and, uh, you know, single, a single, hi- you know, hierarchy and the, the, the reformers broke off and, and that the Protestant churches are all independent or the, the groups are all independent and a lot of that has to do with the topic of our reading today it has to do with uh the authority of of ministers and the authority of the gospel this uh this service is the first of 3 we're we're following the uh the narrative lectionary in our readings this this year we're we're just about at the end of the year's lectionary readings there there including this week there are three left uh, and and the uh, the three are all based around galatians the the letter paul's letter to the galatians and uh, this is the first of those three and this to kind of get us started here I, I want to go back and we had we had a reading uh, if we had two readings from galatians they are that are part of the narrative lectionary readings for this week but i want to give a little bit more context because i feel like these readings leave out some important parts of the of the story and if you just jump in to what we read today you would be missing some interesting um some interesting components some interesting background or history so what is going on what's what is this all about so this letter is written by paul the apostle paul and it's written to the churches in uh in Galatia, and there's some debate over exactly when the letter was written, uh, but that's not really important to our to our uh discussion today. It, just know that it was written some probably sometime between 45 and 60 AD. Um, this is before the uh, the 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 Jewish revolt that led to the destruction of the temple. Um, by the Roman uh, army, so you know, at this point the the temple is still in operation in in Jerusalem. Still fairly early in the in the life of the church. And what has happened is that a group of of apostles or disciples has come to um, has come to the churches in Galatia, bringing. With them, the news that that the, the the Gentile Christians in the in Galatia, the the Christians who who were not members of the Jewish faith before becoming Christians, uh, that they need to be circumcised and become Jews, you know, join the Jewish Jewish faith to to be Christians. That's that's the proposition that is being. Asked of them, and Paul, of course, denies this vehemently. And so he's he's writing to the churches in Galatia to tell them why they don't need to be circumcised and and become become Jewish uh, to be Christians. And unfortunately, we we only have one half of the story. We don't we don't actually know what the Galatians were writing to Paul. We only know what Paul wrote back to the, to the Galatians. And this seems to be uh our response so i'm gonna i'm gonna back up and and read uh a couple of paragraphs before our our reading started today the the letter starts out with the standard introduction where paul's talking about about who he is Um, but he starts it off really interesting he says from paul an apostle who is not sent from human authority or commissioned through human agency but sent through jesus christ and god the father who raised him from the dead and from all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins so he could deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To God be the glory forever and always. Amen. And then he says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ to follow another gospel. It's not really another gospel, but certain people are confusing you, and they want to change the gospel of Christ. However, even we ourselves are a he- or a heavenly angel should ever preach, sorry, even if we ourselves or heavenly angels should ever preach anything different from what we preach to you, they should be under a curse. I'm repeating what we've said before. If anyone preaches something different from what you received, they should be under a curse. And then a little later he says brothers and sisters i want you to know that the gospel i preached isn't human in origin i didn't receive it or learn it from a human it came through a, re- a revelation from jesus christ and then he goes and talk about you've heard my previous life in judaism so on so on and then he says you know i didn't he has he has, says he has this revelation where god revealed uh, his god's son to him and then he says i didn't immediately consult with any human beings i, I didn't go up to Jerusalem to see the the current apostles. Uh, instead, I went out and, and began began preaching the gospel. And then after that, after our, the first part of our reading, he says, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit uh, Cephas. And so it, this name, by the way, Cephas is important. It's in the common English version. It's, it's rendered C-E-P-H-A-S. It's the Greek... Um, Transliteration: the Greek spelling of the Aramaic word "capus," which is stone, um, which is the nickname given to Peter by Jesus. Uh, and so, um, capus, "capus" in here is Peter. Um, uh, Paul is, refer- is referring to Peter using this 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 nickname uh, of rock or stone. And so he says, he went to visit Peter and stayed with him for 15 days, but I didn't see any other of the, uh, I didn't see any other of the apostles except James, the brother of the Lord. And then he says, before God, I'm not lying about the things that I've written to you. And then I went to the regions of Syria and Sicilia, but I wasn't known personally by the Christian churches in Judea. They only heard a report of me. And then he says, after 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem again with Barnabas and I took Titus along. I went up there because of a revelation, and I laid out the gospel that I preached to the Gentiles for them. But I did it in private, with the influential leaders, to make sure that I wouldn't be working or that I hadn't worked for nothing. However, not even Titus, who was with me, and who was a Greek, was required to be circumcised. But false brothers and sisters who were brought in secretly slipped in to, to spy on our freedom, which we have in Christ Jesus, and to make us slaves. We didn't give in and submit to them for a single moment, so the truth of the gospel would continue to be with you. And then he says, the influential leaders didn't add anything to what I was preaching, and whatever they uh, they were makes no difference to me because God doesn't show favoritism. But on the contrary, they saw that I had been given the responsibility to preach the gospel to the people who aren't circumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. The one who empowered Peter to become an apostle to the circumcised also empowered me to become one to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, who are considered to be the key leaders, shook hands with me and Barnabas as equals when they recognized the grace that was given to me. So it was agreed that we would go to the Gentiles while they continued to the people who were circumcised. And then we have the reading about Antioch. says But when Cephas came to Antioch, and apparently this is where Paul, Paul was there, I opposed him to his face because he was wrong. He had been eating with the Gentiles before certain people came from James. But when they came, he began to back out and separate himself because he was afraid of the people who promoted circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also joined him in this hypocrisy so that even Barnabas got carried away with them in their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they weren't acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of everyone, if you, though you are a Jew, like live like a Gentile and not a Jew. How can you require the Gentiles to live like Jews? And then he goes on this on this discussion that we read earlier, ending with, "I don't ignore the grace of God because if we become righteous through the law, then Christ died for no purpose." So that I just read you the entire first first two chapters of of Galatians. Galatians is not a very long book, uh, but this is what's important in here. It, it, we want to talk about why Paul wrote this this uh, letter. And and what this thing was that happened in Antioch? So the so he's re, he's writing the letter to the Galatians, but he's talking about a previous thing that happened to him in Antioch, uh, that that happened between him and Peter. So what was this? So one of the the core practices, one of the core rituals of the early church, was table. Um, uh, Table fellowship, I guess you would say they they would come together and sit around the table and eat a meal together, and it would be all kinds of people. It would be uh, slave and free, Greek and Jew, male and female, um, you know, rich and poor, uh, well known and 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 not well known. Everyone came together and sat uh, as equals at this table. People who were considered who were considered ritually ritually unclean with those uh, you know who who were. Um, who are work richly clean? I suppose. Um, you know, pe- people who who were considered to be kind of outcasts, with people who were considered to be well known and well respected by society, all came together to to eat together as one group. And this was was going. This is this is what Peter had been doing. All that all the disciples had been doing. This was the thing that that Jesus told them to do. That Jesus showed through his actions, that sitting with, with everybody, eating with everybody. But then something happened. A group came uh, certain people came from james they he says, and they were and, and when those people came, Peter began to not eat with the non circumcised members of the congregation. He would only eat with the members of the congregation who were circumcised Jews. Now, the question is why? Why did Peter do this now, now Peter obviously believed in the message that in the teachings of Jesus, where Jesus said that, that everyone should eat together. Everyone should, should be together that, you know, they're all equal. So it's not a, um, it's not like Peter suddenly changed his mind and thought, no, you know, the, the Gentiles are below us. In fact, Peter had, had preached the gospel to the Gentiles in, in Jerusalem. So, you know, Peter isn't against the Gentiles. What's happened here, this is one of those cases where we're missing the other part of the story. We're missing what was sent um, to Paul, right? But what appears to have happened here is that this was right before, remember I said it's written somewhere between 45 and, and 60 AD, right before the Jewish revolt in Jerusalem, which led to the Roman army uh, coming in and crushing, uh, crushing the revolt and destroying the temple. So there, there was, uh, a rise in, uh, Jewish nationalism in, in this time. And, uh, you know, there's there's a great, a great British comedy movie by the Monty Python folks, uh, called The Life of Brian, which if you've never seen it is, is really hilarious. Um, although, uh, uh, I mean, it's Monty Python, so there's, there's definitely some potty humor and stuff thrown in there. But it's it's very good. It was my I remember it was my grandmother's favorite movie of all time. But um, they show in the movie that there are all of these like revolutionary groups in in Jerusalem that are that are trying to to um, fervent revolution, and that's that's how it was. I and mean, there were these groups, and so I think what what happened, uh, you know. And I'm not the only one I mean there are other you know uh, folks with much more have who have done much more research into this than me. One of the things that we think happened is that the 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 Christians in Jerusalem were um running afoul of the the these kind of Jewish nationalists for not sticking to the Jewish dietary laws and other restrictions, and so um, you know they they were they were concerned that it would look bad on all of the Jews in Jerusalem, and that it would cause problems with the Roman uh, government. And so, I I think that Peter's uh, reasoning here was probably to uh, t- to kind of help maintain the unity of the church by by laying low by not by not you know rocking the boat um, too much but paul vehemently disagrees with his choice because to paul it's a it's a very core in fact it's maybe the core theological question the core um, center of christianity is this coming together of, of disparate groups to 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 be together in a single community. And so what Paul sees uh, in Peter's reluctance to sit at table with the non-circumcised Christians is a false uh, barrier or requirement that Peter has placed on those Christians. So in other words, he sees it as Peter having creating two classes of, of members within the community. The, the lower class of members being the non-circumcised Gentiles and the upper class of members being the circumcised uh, Jewish Christians who, you know, and they're and being a division. So, so it's almost like Peter is saying, if you want to sit with the leaders of this congregation, if you want to be with the leaders of this congregation, then you need to be circumcised and, and become uh, a Jew as well and follow the law. All the all the all the rules of the law, and what Paul is, is saying is that this is um, completely against what God has done through through Jesus Christ for us. That that God God has removed all of these barriers. That that God has has removed the law as being um, something that we must follow. In order to be saved, that that we are saved purely through the grace of God, and and through the the saving act of Jesus's faithfulness, and not this is not faith in Jesus. Um, this is the faith of Jesus, because Jesus was faithful, because Jesus was faithful unto death, um, death on the cross. Uh, that because of this uh this act has has brought together god and and humanity and reconciled humanity to god and th- through god's grace we're saved and and nothing we can do no either there's no action we can take that would either help or hinder our salvation because because we have no control over it the only uh, the only thing that controls our salvation is God, and so by by requiring that folks be circumcised and follow the law, you're making it seem like following the law is is necessary to be saved to be to be and specifically to be justified and Paul talks about justification and how we are all just justified by jesus's faith and by god's grace and this would be a a significant talking point of the reformers in the the fifth in the um 16th century during the reformation when they would when they would talk about uh how people are saved they would they would talk a lot about especially luther about justification by faith alone and not by works um, and of course they were looking at it through their own lens, the lens of the, of the theology of the time. And so they thought about justification in a very personal way. They thought about it. You know, Luther was very, uh, Martin Luther was very concerned about how do I, a sinner, um, how am I a sinner saved despite the fact that I can do nothing but sin? That, that was Luther's kind of take on things. Luther, Luther was, uh was very concerned with his own inability to live up to what he saw as the, the legal requirements of the faith. And it was his realization that it doesn't matter what he does, that it's up to God and, and God's grace to save him that freed him and made him feel um, the relief of not having to worry about that anymore and, and, be, and be freed from that concern so that he could then do God's work in the world without the fear of, of of losing his salvation. But I don't think Paul is talking about individual justification in this text. I think Paul is talking about corporate justification. Paul is not saying that individual people are justified by Jesus's faithful actions and by God's grace, but that all of humanity is justified. That it because of Jesus's faith, all of humanity is brought into the covenant um, with God. And actually, I think Paul might even argue that all of humanity was already in the covenant with God, <laughs> that, um, you know, that when, when God made the covenant, the covenant with Abraham, for example, God said that, you know, through Abraham, all of humanity would be, would be blessed. So I, I think Paul here is talking about corporate justification, So he's saying that you 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 do not need to follow the law to be justified, to be seen as as righteous, to be seen as willing as a a, not willing, to be seen as um, um, able to be saved. You know, as a as being um, worth saving, right? That 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 everybody is is justified through the faith of of jesus christ through the grace of god right and so his point is that when you when you begin to think that something has to be done there is something you must do in order to be justified in order to be saved then you are creating artificial barriers between yourself and god so paul is saying you know all of the Gentiles are justified. They don't have to be circumcised. They don't have to follow the law. In fact, he says the law is, an art, is a barrier, is an artificial barrier that, that's been put in place to, to show us how we are unable to follow it. That it's there just to show us that, that we can't follow it. Even when we try, we can't do it. Um, and so he's chastising Peter for kind of uh, giving in to the demands of this other group. And in telling this story... He is the same time informing the congregation at, at Glacia about what he what he thinks about these folks who have come, who are telling them that they need to be circumcised to be part of the of the community. He's saying, "No, you don't need that. You're all justified already." And a lot of talk since the Reformation has has been uh, a lot of sermons, a lot of books, you know things have been written about what what does it mean justification by faith what does it mean you know versus justification by works well so if we're justified by faith do we not have to do anything do we not need to do good in the world can we can we be completely evil and and all will be well well no and and the, the point would be that when you are justified when through faith you can't help but do good in the world, and it's there's nothing you can do. So it's so another thing you know, people kind of get this wrapped around their, their it get this confused in their head. They think, well, I'm saved because I believe, and that's not true, because if you're saved because you believe, because you profess um, belief in Jesus Christ, then that is still a work, that is still something that you have to do. You have to profess it, and so. Paul, I believe, would say in this case that that is, that is false. That is a false teaching because that puts, puts it on you and you have no control. You have no ability to save yourself. Only God's grace can save you. And in fact, as universalists, we believe that God's grace saves everybody, right? God's grace saves everybody because God is all loving and wants everyone to be saved. instead your belief your faith when you know faith is much deeper than just belief faith is about it's about loyalty and and um, trust more than just like intellectual belief your faith like like Jesus's faith is a is a byproduct of god's grace so it's and what and what Paul was talking about when so he has this whole discussion about this didn't come to me by other people you know that this revelation this gospel didn't come to me by other people it it came to me uh, you know, as a direct revelation by Jesus Christ. Well, he's not saying that that Jesus told him the gospels text the, the the text of the gospels again, don't forget that the the texts of the gospels weren't written down until after this the the four gospels we have were written were all written after this epistle was written. So Paul's not talking about the, the, the text, about the literal stories. Paul had probably already heard those. He'd probably, you know, he, was, he was going around um, persecuting the Christians because of their beliefs. He, he probably had already heard all of these things about it. His point was that he had this experience, this kind of mystical experience of revelation, of direct revelation about the truth of, of the gospel, not not the story of the gospel, but the fact that it was true. He had this sudden rev- revelation of the truth of it. And that was when the veil was lifted and he saw, as he says, he saw Jesus. He saw God's God's son, right? That God lifted the veil and allowed him to see it. And that that was, was what caused him. He, then he was called to go and preach the gospel. And he went and preached it and, and he preached it as he understood it. And when we again, here, when we say the gospel, we don't mean... The stories necessarily the actual like narrative. We mean what he saw as the core of the gospel: love one another, you know, come together. All of these kind of core messages that he talks about in all of his letters, and in, in Romans and in Corinthians and in Galatians and all of his letters, he has this core idea of what it means to be a Christian. This is what he was going around preaching, and he what he's saying is that his authority to preach that didn't come from the church. It didn't come from Peter. It didn't come from the, 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 the apostles in Jerusalem. He never tried to join the 12. He never tried to become, you know, part of the, of the leadership. That authority for him to, to preach the gospel came uh, directly from God as a calling from God. And then he went and, and checked. He went, he went later to them and and told them what he had been preaching because he wanted to make sure that he that he I think a that he hadn't missed something that there wasn't something he was missing that his understanding of the teachings was correct because after all he wasn't he wasn't there directly he didn't know Jesus directly and then secondly to make sure that that these Christians in Jerusalem weren't teaching something other than what he understood to be the gospel because in that case that would also have been bad because he was very com- felt very compelled about what what he understood as the gospel message and if the folks in Jerusalem were teaching something different then maybe they were wrong and that would need correcting so that's why he went in private to the the leadership and discussed it with them to see to see what they were what they were thinking and what he found is that in fact he was preaching the gospel just as they were that that they didn't add anything to what he was preaching and they didn't require that Titus a greek a gentile who was there with him they didn't require titus to be circumcised so obviously they didn't think that circumcision was necessary was a necessary part of uh, of salvation of being a christian this is all backing up backing up what he is uh, hearing from the galatians so he's telling the galatians look i'm you know i came to you i taught you about about the gospel why are you suddenly believing these other people who have come in? Why why are you throwing me aside for these other people who are te- trying to tell you something different, trying to tell you that there's this artificial work that you must do if you want to be a Christian, if you want to be saved? Don't believe them, you know. And, and if you if you can't and he, and he says you know if you can't believe me directly through my direct rev- revelation from God, I also went and talked to Peter. I also went and talked to James, and they were like, yeah, that's that's right. You're doing it right. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, you know, he so he puts the authority in himself, but he also has accountability. This is what I talked about last week, that, that, uh, accountability is, is important. So he, so he has, a, he felt like he has authority, has a call from God, but he also has accountability. He also goes to the rest of the, of the community and is in covenant with them, is in communication with them, has accountability from them that, that he is indeed, um, teaching the the correct message and so i think this stuff is all really important i think it's important that we understand that justification by faith is not about us believing intellectually in something and it's not about us even um trusting it's about something trusting god it's about this kind of sudden revelation of the truth of the message that that God places into us that we have no control over, that we just think, oh my God, that, that's right. I, I understand now. I see. I see now. And if we don't have that, that's also okay. I don't want to make sure. I want to make sure to, <laughs> you know, not everyone has had an experience like that, and that's also okay. The point is that there's nothing you can do. There's no no intellectual belief you can hold or not hold. There's no There's no physical thing in the world that you can do or not do that will positively or negatively affect your justification, your salvation that is all in the hands of God, that is all based on God's grace. And as universalists, what we believe is that God will God justifies all people, God uh, will save all people. And indeed I think that this text from Paul really backs this up. You know, it's not like universalism comes out of nowhere. I this is this is the the text. These are the kinds of texts we find to talk about this where Paul talks about the you know, the corporate justification of all of, of all people, not just of particular groups. So to sum up, Paul was writing to the Galatians because folks were coming in saying that the Galatians need to be circumcised, need to become Jews. And Paul was saying that's not true. Paul was saying there's nothing you need to do. God has got it handled. God has, has already saved you. God has already justified you. You don't need to worry about that. That's not what you need to worry about. What you need to worry about is being a good community, being a community with one another, uh, You know, bringing in the outsider, Jews and, and uh, Gentiles, slave and free, male and female, rich and poor, everyone coming together and being one community together. That is the gospel. And that the authority that Paul had to preach that gospel came directly from, from God and Jesus Christ. That that also he was in covenant with. He was um, uh, in discussions with. He had talked to uh, Peter and James and the other apostles, uh, and had accountability from them that he was indeed teaching the true gospel. Now next week we will we'll continue uh, with where where Paul goes at this next, and so I invite you to to read through this this uh, the whole. Again, the whole um, letter is is only a few pages. I mean, you can you know you can read through it in, in a few minutes. Uh, feel free to read through it. Uh, you know, pick up the, the Bible study, go to the Bible study um, group, and, and discuss this in more detail. I think this epistle is really fascinating and has some really important stuff for us to talk about. So um, I look forward to to the next two sermons on the as we finish up uh, Galatians uh, and finish up the Easter season. Amen.